0: z z tsk tsk Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the Fit Fizz podcast. I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of FitFizzStudio.com, and I am a certified trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease fighter, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 20 years. I'm here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, to give you knowledge for making the smartest decisions for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. How are you doing today, my friend? Have you eaten vegetables today? Do you love vegetables? Do you hate them? Well, I, for one, have always loved vegetables. Just kidding. (laughs) That is an absolute lie. So, right, mom? (laughs) I know she's listening. She is my biggest fan, even though I gave her Countless headaches as a kid who did not like to eat her vegetables. So, yeah, I'm not proud to admit that, but it's been a rocky road with my relationship with vegetables. I used to always say that I hated them, but that's not true. I don't hate them. I absolutely love what vegetables do to keep our bodies healthy, but I'd be lying if I said they were my most favorite thing to eat. And I know I'm not alone. So if you happen to have the same outlook for any or all vegetables, I'm going to explain some of the science behind that and some ideas on how you might be able to make a transition into eating more vegetables, because there's really no denying that we need them to have our bodies functioning at their best, to produce energy and to fend off disease, And later on, I'll tell you how I went from gagging when I tried to eat vegetables to being happy to eat them every day. So let's get the basics out of the way first, like why vegetables are so important. You've probably heard the term eat the rainbow, which was created to mean that the more colorful foods we have in our meals, the more variety of nutrients we're probably getting. And those colors mostly come from vegetables. So let's think about the food groups. Carbs, pretty beige. Meat and protein, important, but pretty monochromatic. And dairy... Not only is it questionable that this is still considered a food group, but that's not colorful. <laughs> so there's really a lot of great purpose behind the idea of eat the rainbow. I didn't hunt for any statistical data, but it's not far reach to say that people who eat all beige foods probably eat a, feel a lot less energized and less healthy than people who eat a wide variety of colorful foods And of course, that does not include artificial colors. So fruity pebbles, that doesn't count for eating the rainbow. (laughs) Um, But why exactly are vegetables so good for you? Well, a lot of them contain things that you can't get from other beige food groups. So things like fiber, phytonutrients, micronutrients, minerals, and Antioxidants are some of the things that we get from vegetables. And um, if something is an antioxidant, that means it helps to remove partially damaging, oxidizing particles. So when you don't have antioxidants, you're greatly increasing your chances for all types of cancers and disease. So that's a great reason to eat vegetables right there. So vegetables are also important as a source of fiber. In case you didn't know, fiber helps you poop and it helps to keep things moving through your digestive tract. If you can't poop, not only do you feel terrible but it builds up in your intestines and it's more breeding breeding ground for damaged cells to reproduce and potentially for all kinds of other things to go wrong as a loose guideline most experts recommend that you should aim for around 10 to 15 grams of fiber for every 1000 calories you consume. So if you're consuming about 2000 calories per day, you should be getting between 20 to 30 grams of fiber per day. And hopefully it's closer to the 30 end of that (laughs) range. And if you aren't sure how much you're getting, and you don't eat a lot of vegetables, you're probably on the low side. So now I know you might be thinking, but they give me gas. And fiber can do that sometimes. And that's not only because your body's not used to it, um, but it depends on the quantity and frequency. So it's okay to ease into it. And it's actually probably a little bit better for your body. Um, If you're not used to eating a lot of vegetables, increase it gradually, a little bit at a time with lots of water and gradually increase the quantity so that you don't get painful gas or bloating. And If you do continue to even have an issue with gas and bloating when you eat vegetables, there are there's something called vegetable enzymes um, that are tablets that you can buy to help ease that. It kind of helps the gas dissipate and um, you can get those and still eat your vegetables and get enough fiber. So not this is something pretty cool. Not only are vegetables a good source of water, but they contain something called you ready for the super scientific name? Easy water. as in the the letters E-Z, water. Um, The more scientific version of that, it's the molecular structure is H3O2. So I really wish that the scientists came up with a more official sounding name, something more official than easy water. But this type of water is built by infrared light and energy. Hydration doesn't need to come in the form of simple H2O, what we normally think of as water, but water from plant material is in the form of this easy water or H3O2. That and that kind of water is more absorbable by the human body. And because it's because of its molecular structure, you don't need as much H3O2 if you're eating lots of plants as you would need H2O if you were to compare the two by volume. So when the body is truly properly hydrated, it does not mean that it's full of H2O regular water, but it means that it also has adequate adequate amounts of this easy water or the H3O2 type of water. So in short, by eating lots of vegetables and drinking lots of water, you will be more sufficiently hydrated than if you just drink water. And another added bonus of vegetables is that they're so nutrient-dense. And they that which means they take up a lot of room in your stomach, but they're full of nutrients, but they don't contain a lot of calories. So this is especially great if you're trying to lose weight. And if you're trying to lose weight, but you're still eating processed foods, trying this diet or that diet, or taking all kinds of garbage filled supplements, but you're not even eating enough vegetables, well, it really you're really kind of wasting your effort. Um, it's not uncommon for people to struggle with weight loss. Uh, but they haven't increased their vegetable intake. And it might not be your favorite thing to do, but rather than fall for gimmicks, let's just use some common sense. If you want to feel better, have more energy, change the shape of your physique, ward off disease, live longer. Gimmicky supplements aren't going to change those things in the long run, but vegetables will. (laughs) You know I'm right. right. So, if you're sitting there rolling your eyes at me like, uh, oh, but they just don't taste very good. They're gross. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> well, all right. It's time for a little truth talk. So, number 1, if you're rolling your eyes at me, here's what I've got to say. It's time to grow up and get over the little lie that you're telling yourself that everything you eat needs to be in the top 10 best things you ever tasted stop that because it's silly to think that way i don't know where or why we tend to think this way but i know it's common and people don't even realize that they have this tiny way of thinking but i also get it i that used to be me until probably the end of my 20s i'm here to help you try to evolve and succeed past that way of thinking though um It will be okay to leave that type of thinking behind, I promise. So in short, everything you eat doesn't need to taste great. And point number two is There's somewhat of a scientific reason behind why a lot of people have a bit of an aversion or a lot of aversion to vegetables. Overall, a lot of vegetables have a dominantly bitter taste. And that bitterness comes from alkaloids that plants make to defend themselves against attacks from things like parasites or bacteria or other animals that might eat them as they grow out in the wild or on a farm. So it's it's part of their like natural their natural evolution. So yes, in a way plants kind of have feelings too. <laughs> and if you think back to an ancestral or caveman level, ancient humans had this bitter taste from the alkaloids in plants as a way of knowing if they were eating a harmful plant that might be poisonous to them. So of course, plants have changed and humans have become smarter. But if you have a gut reaction to spit out certain vegetables, they're probably very bitter. And that reaction is probably coming from a somewhat primitive part of your brain. Um, the good news is that you can change your taste buds. You can change that primitive behavior of vegetables are gross to an evolved behavior of I love what vegetables do for my health. And eventually, you can even get to the point where you change your taste buds and actually begin to like them. Yep. So, if you don't like the taste of kale, you can first accept that it's kind of normal because of where that innate reaction is rooted. And second, you can work on changing it if you come to the realization that you want to eat more vegetables to improve your health. So, flavor in general, is a super complicated thing. But there are essentially three main things that contribute to what flavors we like or what flavors we're repulsed by. So the first thing that contributes to what we like or don't like is what we're exposed to in utero. An example of this can be seen when a small child can easily eat a hot pepper or take a bite from a raw onion, like it's no big deal. And some flavor preferences are passed on before birth through scent molecules that are that go from whatever the mother is eating into the amniotic fluid while we're still developing in utero in utero. And in a sense, we develop our flavor palate before we can even actually eat. And the second thing that uh, influences what we like or don't like is our genetic makeup. So there's something called bitter blindness, where some people just can't really taste certain types of bitter foods. So think of bitter blindness similar to color blindness, but with your taste buds. So other people are far more sensitive to bitter foods. And again, many vegetables have a bitter taste, but this bitter blindness is genetic. Yep pretty cool, right? So sometimes these two types of people are categorized as tasters or non-tasters. So the gene that actually determines this is called the TAS2R38 gene that determines which one you are. Now, I haven't done the test, but I'm pretty darn sure that I'm a taster since I've had to work really hard to get over my strong aversion to vegetables. And I also really can't stand the taste of coffee or the smell of it, which is also coffee has a bitter taste. So the non-tasters are the normal ones. And some research has found that around 25% of the population falls into the tasters category, where they have the version of the TAS2R38 gene that makes certain bitter foods taste gross. But if you hate vegetables, don't consider yourself exempt just because of this. Because we've got the third reason that determines what we like or don't like in foods. And that third reason is what you've been conditioned to like. This one is the most important because it's the only one of the three that you have control over. Your taste palate gets used to whatever you repeatedly eat. So for example, if you eat a lot of processed sugar, you might eat grapes or strawberries and barely taste the sweetness but if you've conditioned yourself to break a processed sugar addiction and you've re, you have removed that from your daily intake you'll get to a place where fruit tastes incredibly sweet and even though that's an example using fruits you can also condition your tastes for vegetables even if you have that certain type of gene where you don't really like them so it's also recommended to try a certain food at least 10 times before you decide that you don't like it. Why? Well, new tastes can be fun, but they can also be alarming and it can take some time to get used to it. And generally, the more times you try a food, the more likely you are to start to like it if you have an open mind. And again, that's the key thing because this is something you do have control over. And this also partially what we do or don't like partially has to do with how we were raised. If you weren't exposed to new foods as a kid or if you were conditioned to think that vegetables are mandatory, but you should feel excited at the mention of a cupcake, that's conditioning. And what we learn as kids runs really, really, really deep. And also culture and heritage can play a part in the foods that we are conditioned to like as well. But again, this is all something that you have the advantage of controlling or changing whenever you are ready to do so. So, if you have a negative outlook on vegetables and if you just have a stance that you hate them, I'm not saying you need to try to learn to like every single vegetable that exists. But I do think you should start somewhere. For example, I've come a long way in learning to like vegetables and I really I still really can't stand onions because of the taste or mushrooms because of the texture and but i i've learned to eat enough variety of vegetables that i don't think i need to conquer my dislike for those maybe someday i'll choose to change that i don't know but um but what i'm missing out by not eating onions or mushrooms i'm not really missing out on as many nutrients as if for example i was sitting here saying i hate all green vegetables Uh, because that's pretty wide. And we know that green vegetables are pretty nutrient dense. So I said I was going to tell you how I learned to like vegetables. So before I knew the science of why, like about the gene and um what can happen in utero and all of that um i simply thought it was all mindset and i got to a certain age where i knew i had to learn to like vegetables it, i was embarrassed of it and i mean i was a fitness instructor i was a trainer i loved the idea of being healthy but i wasn't eating vegetables and i felt like a huge fraud so i knew i had to change it and the key thing here was that i wanted to change that I I used to have a pretty <laughs> real this is, again this is embarrassing. I used to have like a gag reflex at the mere thought of putting a vegetable into my mouth. I'm not even kidding. And I I barely ate vegetables in my 20s. Again, super embarrassing, but it's true. Sometimes I wonder <laughs> how I ate so poorly. I wonder how I survived, but by the time I was around age 30, 31, I started taking my health a lot more seriously and I realized that doing cardio every single day was not very smart. I started taking weight training a lot more seriously. And one thing I tried was just eating vegetables while I was distracted. So I would you know, make my meal with the vegetables and I would have my distraction planned as well. Sometimes it was ironing clothes. Sometimes it was reading a book and I'd have a massive glass of water to chug after every bite. So that way I wasn't focused on what I was eating. Um, And that's not always a good route to go you want to be mindful of what you're eating but this had a a different purpose so for me it worked and it was purely about eating for fuel and not for fun and so there are countless fun foods to eat but if you're not eating vegetables at all i think it's important to remind yourself that you have to eat enough food for fuel in order to live a long healthy life and the fun food should be extra So another thing I did was to add toppings. I added things like hot sauce, salsa, seasonings, cheese, dressing, and... I didn't then, and I still don't really even like dressings, but I tried several to see if it helped. And this is something you can try too. Even if some of those things are not as healthy as plain vegetables, it's still better than not eating vegetables at all. Seasonings were a huge game changer for me. They really made a lot of vegetables more enjoyable. So you might wanna try that too. And now I'm at a point where I actually crave them if by chance I have a day go by where I haven't had vegetables. And I want to stress once again that mindset is going to make or break this if you need to up your veggie game, challenge yourself, set goals with vegetables, make it a game or a contest with yourself if that helps you to stay motivated. And you can even plan a reward for yourself or when it's time to celebrate victory from increasing your vegetable intake. If you have a family, maybe make a chart with each person's name and plan a game night or a movie night. Uh, For everyone who eats maybe, for example, like X number of servings of vegetables by a certain day, there's really endless possibilities for what you could do to make eating vegetables a lot more fun for anybody. And so I hope this gets you a bit more excited about the importance and the power of vegetables and maybe gets you excited to try some new ones. So please connect with me on social media and let me know if this episode sparked any motivation or ideas for you. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review for the podcast so that I can reach more people. I hope the rest of your week is full of colorful, vegetable energy. And until next time, breathe, stay strong, and always celebrate victory. Celebrate victory.